Human Vortex Training and Menachem Brody present the Strong Savvy Cyclist and Triathlete Podcast, where we talk strength training, physiology, psychology, tech, and much more to help you get fitter, faster, and stronger in and out of your sport, giving you expert insights, talking with other leading experts. And now, your host, world-leading strength coach for cyclists and triathletes, Menachem Brody. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Strong Savvy Cyclist and Triathlete Podcast. Today is episode 115, where we sat down and hung out with Chris Abbott, co-host of the Breakthrough Secrets Podcast. Now, Chris and I talk about how the setup is the most important part And this goes for a number of different things in our lives, from fitness to education to work to investing to retirement accounts. The setup and how you do things is going to be really, really important in determining what the outcomes are. So the better the setup you get at the beginning, the better off you're going to be. And this is very true, uh, like I just said, a number of different areas in your life. So most pertinent to me, uh, my setup for before I got corona was that most of the athletes that I work with, and I don't carry a whole lot, uh, they had their programming. It was essentially done, but they couldn't see it uh, for about two to four weeks ahead. Uh, I don't like doing annual training plans in full. I I do blocks at a time because life happens, case in point. Uh, Fully vaccinated, no clue where I got it. There was nobody ever around me who was clearly symptomatic. And for those of you who are wondering, I'm very highly trained in this. I worked in the ambulance working 911 calls for a number of years in the States. Uh, I have a good eye for this type of stuff. And, you know, sometimes my wife's like, why are you going over here? I'm like, because that person doesn't look well. I don't think I want to be standing next to them. Uh, So fully vaccinated, very careful. We were masking um, and still got it. Life happens, right? So uh, my setup that allowed me to really be able to get through this illness at, at a high level of functioning from a work perspective is the level of communication with my athletes. Now, a few of them did notice like, hey, where did you go the last two weeks? And I was like, well, I kind of had corona. And they're like, holy crap, sorry. Uh, is that happened because of the setup? So that level and people are like, yeah, I thought it was really weird that I didn't get any feedback in my workouts, you know, this week. Uh, and then, you know, you messaged me saying you had Corona, I hope you're okay. Uh, and, and the care that I have for the people. So it wasn't like, oh, where's my workout? It was like, if you need take a couple more days, it's all right. Uh, so, you know, me sitting in bed, laying in bed, trying to do work, uh, actually came out pretty well. Um, but the setup is what allowed me to go through that illness and not have to slog through and create crappy training plans or like, you know, cut things and, you know, do a subpar job. It comes from the setup. Just like the podcast here. This was the last episode that I recorded before I got sick. So it's been sitting here waiting to be edited, uh, waiting to have the intro done. And yeah, I'm getting the intro done here the day before this releases, the day before uh, my book releases on Amazon. So if you haven't already pre-ordered the Strength Training for Cycling Performance book by yours truly, it's available on Amazon. And in fact, with the pre-orders, it is a number one Already a number one bestseller on Amazon for cycling and for triathlon. Uh, Already, it hasn't even been released, but because of the pre-orders, it is doing extremely well. And I really haven't done much advertising for it at all. Uh, These are people who are finding it organically, word of mouth. A number of people have actually emailed me asking me for a free sneak peek or a free early copy, or can you get me in a little bit earlier? Uh, It is being released tomorrow, October, today, October 8th, uh, 2021. So if you haven't already ordered that, go ahead and make sure you do so. It's completely re-edited, completely reformatted. Uh, Speaking of setup, 
I didn't know what I was doing the first time I published uh, my, my book, right? I had no clue. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll totally just, you know, ask around, find a couple people and look at their work and go with it. Well, you learn a lot going through that process and then thinking, well, I don't know if that's really how it's supposed to be done. So uh, this team is truly pro. Uh, all of the people who have touched this book, aside from myself, uh, have done dozens and dozens of books before this, and it truly shows. So uh, really fantastic outcome, completely reformatted, re-edited, uh, full professional shoots for all of the pictures in there. Um, so there's a ton of great content in there, uh, including pictures for the Olympic lifts and a number of other things. So make sure you are going over to Amazon.com and ordering that. It's an ebook form right now. We are going through and polishing off the print book, the paperback, that should be out the end of October, early November. So that set up for that book. Um, I didn't know any better, but the feedback that I got from the, the first edition, this is really great information. Don't really like the setup or, you know, was this even edited was one of the harsher comments, but Hey, I don't know what I don't know. Right? So I learned, Hey, when someone is a blog editor, you can get a lot away with a lot more uh, editing wise on a blog than you can for a book. I just didn't know that, right? So I made the mistake, but the more, more important thing for me was the information was out there. Um, let's jump over into a couple announcements real quick and then get into today's uh, episode with Chris because I'm getting, uh, it's there's a lot going on here because I've been sick. So announcement number two, we did number one is the book is now live on Amazon. Uh, it's a number one seller for cycling and triathlon and I expect that number to grow now that it is actually live. Uh, number two is the 12 week kettlebells and bands program is now available on Training Peaks so you can get everything. It's the exact same 12 week program that's been on the HV training platform for the last two and a half years. The Feedback from you guys was fantastic. Uh, every single person that's gone through that program uh, that has emailed me or I've emailed, which is I think 98% of you at this point, there's a couple of new folks the last couple of weeks, uh, have been very happy. You've seen great results and a number of you have been just really uh, surprised as to how much there is to learn about these movements and how those weekly focus videos help you to really progress. So a number of you set PRs off of this in base. They're really surprised. Like, holy cow, is this normal? Some of you emailed me, three of you emailed me saying, is this normal for me to PR at the end, the last, you know, week 10, 11, 12 in base period? Yes. <laughs> um, and so it's available over on Training Peaks. If you're on the HV Training newsletter, newsletter, excuse me, you got a uh, discount code, which is good until October 16th of 2021. If you're not on the HV Training newsletter, go ahead and sign up because you'll get early access, discount codes, uh, as well as great content to your inbox uh, as we go through either weekly or, or once a month. We're not sure where we're going to go with that uh, quite yet. Um, announcement number three. The Big Year Blueprint is now open. It was supposed to open back in September. Obviously, I got sick, so it is now open for enrollment. If you're interested, go ahead and email me, Brody, B as in boy, R-O-D as in dog, I-E, at humanvortextraining.com. Um, we'll set up a phone call to see if it's the right thing for you. It's a fully personalized uh, strength program and or strength plus swim, bike, run, or biking program with live weekly group calls. So we've had and still have a number of coaches in there and every single person that's come through this program has been absolutely uh, a huge fan. And you know, even those who can't attend the live calls say that they've learned so much 
through the recordings. And they actually like the recordings because they can go back over and over again a couple weeks later, pop back and see what it is. So if you're interested, go ahead and email me. Last announcement, and we'll get over to Chris, I promise, a little bit uh, long-winded here this week because a lot of great stuff has been going on. Um, the last one is the Strength Training for Cyclist Certification is going to open here the end of October, early November. That has been, uh, we didn't release the date until now. Uh, we were going to do the beginning of October, but I've been sick the last month, um, and I'm very hands-on. It is not an automatic launch where I, I click a button and sit back in my chair. And in fact, a number of you who have signed up for the insiders list uh, have actually noticed that, you, you know, three, four, five, six, seven of you have emailed me saying, hey, why are the emails different for this open? And that's because I'm always adding and doing stuff with that uh, course. So once you pay for it, you're in for life. You get all of the updated stuff, all of the additions. Uh, we've added a number of things here the last couple of uh, months. I'm very excited to see the new cohort come through, uh, as well as we've now received NSCA CEUs. I think it's uh, uh, 1.7 CEUs, 1.8 CEUs, absolutely massive. So that's one third of the CEUs that an NSCA coach uh, CSCS or personal trainer needs to recertify in one course. Uh, and it is incredibly potent. So if you haven't signed up for the insiders list already to get your, uh, your discount off of the opening price, early access, uh, go ahead and do so now. You can do that over on the Human Vortex Training website. Well, that's long enough for the announcements. Again, my apologies for going long. Let's head over to the interview with Chris Abbott. Episode number 115 on the setup is the most important part. Chris, welcome back to the show, man. Oh, thank you, man. It is a pleasure. It's always great to connect with you again. Yeah, always. And even in the, uh, just before we hit record even, uh, it's just so natural, right? Uh, you, Mike, and I just kind of flows. It's like we don't talk for two, two or three weeks and it's like, oh, I just saw you yesterday. <laughs> uh, you know, I know it, it had the feeling of a conversation that probably could have been recorded and, uh, and released as well, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, that's one of the fun parts of being a podcast uh, host, I think, is to have these genuine conversations. And then you just find people that, you know, you strike it off with. But one of the things that I found interesting uh, personally about you is how you and Mike just were like, man, we're going to commit to this. And it's not just the rule of 100, as Noah Kagan has been talking about, but you guys are doing every freaking day for a year. Can you tell the listeners a little bit more about the Breakthrough Secrets podcast and, and how that kind of came about? Yeah. Um, you know, it, it is, uh, I, I guess the short of it is we, we initially started the show during uh, summer of 2020, hoping that it would make us money um, because COVID had kind of, you know, ransacked the gym uh, that we had and, and kind of forced us to get creative. And so, so we only did about 12 episodes and I think we were putting about one or two out a week at that time. I was just Mike and I, we didn't have any guests and, um, and, you know, it didn't make us any money, not surprised. So, so we stopped. Um, and then we didn't, uh, we kind of just, we got burnt out over some of the things we had developed, it had a lot of success with some of the programs we developed, but we just weren't liking them personally. Um, and kind of had this pull to get just focus on what we want to do, what do we enjoy doing? And, and that is talking about strength and, and, and connecting with strength professionals. So, um, we kind of had the itch to possibly get the show going. We actually had one of our fans. We didn't even know we had a fan, uh, email us and say, Hey, like, are you going to do the show again? And I'm like, do you mean the, we got the time we had called it beyond, uh, stories beyond the bell. And, uh, and I had to ask him like, are you talking about that? Or like, well, I don't know what you're talking about, man. He's like, yeah, no, that I loved him. I was like, shoot. Okay. So kind of took it as a sign of like, okay, yeah, Hey, let's do this. And, um, 
And as you mentioned, you know, I kind of threw the challenge down to Mike of like, well, hey, if we're going to do this, um, then we're going to do it for, you know, every day for, for a year. And um, it's, it's been a lot of, it's been a lot of work, but I tell you what, man, we've learned a lot in a very short amount of time. Uh, we've connected with some incredible people, uh, relationships, you know, you and me right here, uh, a lot of relationships that would not otherwise have, have formed and, um, you know, really just kind of find ourselves putting out conversations that are just us having fun, talking to people behind the mic uh, that we realize are, are impacting people at a pretty high level, which is rewarding in itself as well. So that's kind of the long story short of it was chasing something that was a bit more fulfilling than uh, the program we had created um, and, uh, and, and deciding, oh, hey, if we're going to do it, let's, let's really do it. Uh, and, you know, yeah, what that was at the time of this recording, probably about six months or so i think we're i think we're over 150 episodes or close to 150 now um and we started recording again at the end of january 2021 so it is uh we've said that we are compressing time and compounding knowledge with the show and uh, it's been fun it's been a lot of fun i absolutely love that saying man and it, it's uh, on, on the joint episode uh, with with uh, you and co-host Mike Krakowski, uh, who's also has a, a, a solo episode here in the low 100s uh, number, I think it's like 106, 107. Um, I think it was one of you guys who retold the story about um, Mike Boyle at the Perform Better, and he was sitting in the back for like, like a, a newcomer, quote unquote, to the, the Perform Better uh, presentation. And that story, for some reason, I just connected the dots. Like a lot of people are surprised when these more known names are going to these new guys that are talking about these old implements or old, or old quote unquote approaches to training, but that's really where the community grows. Right. So like, yeah, you have the Louis Simmons, the Mike Boyles, uh, Lauren Landau's guys like that, uh, Dr. McGill, Stu McGill's, but a lot of them are very much students and having a lot of the conversations you and Mike are having. So how has that changed how you look at fitness or has it not? Is it just more of like, wow, there's a million different perspectives that have such value. It's a matter of just being open and learning. Yeah. You know, it's a good question. I think without question, Mike and I have seen similarities more so than differences. I think we kind of tend to naturally look for the similarities in, in our guests. And if I could think of one, it, it's that, the, the more kind of higher level, you know, longer experience that the guest has had and whatever it is they're doing. I mean, the, the takeaway is simplicity. Like they don't make it any harder than it needs to be. It's really simple. Um, and, and I think they do a great job at kind of portraying that in whatever they talk about. And I think it's been cool to, to hear that from not only strength coaches, but, um, you know, flying trapeze artists, um, even, I mean, we've had crazy, we've had conversations about kettlebells, flying trapeze artists, uh, archery, sex, psilocybin. I mean, yeah, we've had, we've had a, a wide array of, of episodes and, and topics, but it's kind of cool because we've developed a knack for kind of picking, picking out the principles um, of the, uh, of the episode and the guest. And I, and I think to me, it's, you do link some similarities uh, and simplicity to me is, is, is one of the, the biggest ones. Uh, I don't see very many people that come on the show that are incredibly good at what they do and, you know, purposefully make it complex. Uh, it usually goes the other way around. 
So I don't know. I don't know if that, uh, hopefully that answers your question, man. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I don't know if there's like a right answer. Uh, it's more of like, you're, you're out there having these conversations and going through this. And, and, and when you go from one conversation to the next with such a quick cadence, and I notice it when I record here, like there are times where just because of the guests, uh, like we had initially spoken in July and that's when we started looking for the pre-K for my son and just all schedules got bundled. But so I've had actually three episodes recorded in a week which is mm. fairly unusual. I try and do like one a week. So it's manageable with, with the kiddo and family time. But I realized, you know, just listening to you, when you have those conversations that close together, your brain, your subconscious or whatever Tony Robbins wanted to call it, I forget what it's called. Uh, it just picks up on these things. It's like, don't think about a pink elephant or, Hey, I'm thinking about a, a buying a brand new Toyota Camry hybrid hatchback. And then all of a sudden you see them everywhere. So yeah. like, I think that that's really uh, valid and, and an important point is that there are these themes out there across trapeze artists to, to sex. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, it is. And that's kind of what I forget when it was. I think it might have been a couple months ago when we we were trying to think of like, what are we even doing with the show? What do we what do we do with the show? And and I, I, I kind of was like talking my way through it with Mike and I was like, well, Let's see. We put out five episodes a week, so we're compressing time because most people put out one or two, maybe. Um, and that allows us to take our thoughts from one conversation and bring it to the next conversation and the next and the next. And it kind of compounds over the week because it does. By the time Friday reaches, Mike and I are like, shit, my brain's uh, shoot. I'm sorry. I don't know if we could swear on that. <laughs> but um, and uh, and so that's kind of where we came up with it. Like, yeah, we, we compress time and compound knowledge. Uh, and the compounding knowledge aspect, I think, is it is um, it's crucial because you do. I think it can go, it can go both ways because you do need to have time and space for integration. I think that's really important in anything. Um, and so, but the fact that we're accumulating so much new information, I think there's dots that we can connect that we otherwise would not have connected. Um, you know, case in point, I think we're at like 150 episodes. Uh, if we had spread those out over two years. Um, I can't, I can't imagine that the dots and things we've had connected and thoughts and ideas would be connected the way they were. Cause I think there's too much time for integration. There's, there's too much space between everything. Um, on the flip side, maybe you could argue that we're not going quite as deep with some of the things because there's so much information we're taking in on a weekly basis. Um, but I, we have found personally that, uh, you always remember the good things and those carry, you You know, we bring those into the conversations no matter what. And as time goes on, you know, you just, just naturally integrate it as it, uh, you know, as it fits into your life, so to speak. Well, that also ties a lot into to training as I sound like a prepubescent 13 year old. Nah. Uh, <laughs> uh, the importance of regularity and consistency. And that's something, you know, you're talking about conversations, but that also very much so is a, a training principle that, you know, if we look specifically at the audience here for the Strong Savvy Cyclist Triathlete podcast, there are so many cyclists right now who are following really good cycling coaches, in fact, great cycling coaches, and that coach's approach, and there's a few of them, is when it comes to October, November, you drop the bike, you just do endurance rides when you have the time and you go to the gym and just hammer yourself. And essentially you've just now completely cut off. You've dammed up the progression on the bike to go and do something else, which can also be important from a mental side, 
But what you just said is, you know, if you didn't have these conversations at that consistency, there's probably dots you wouldn't have connected because you're in that, that area. But that also, also uh, ties into professional development and, and sport development as well. Yeah, it is true. I think if you look at uh, kind of like we just talked about um, with just guest episodes we have uh, where we can easily pull a principle kind of bullet point principle list of whatever they're talking about. Obviously, they're talking about their specific area of expertise. Um, yeah, I, I think we haven't talked about it as much, but I know I've thought about it personally that like, hey, there's there's something here that you could probably take and, you know, transcend into other areas of your life. And if I had to think out loud on this one on what it would be, it would probably be to commit first, figure out later and um, and 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 learn to kind of develop a sense of trusting your a hunch or an intuition, so to speak. Um but I, I have learned to commit first, figure out later. And it's totally against, you talk about like when I was doing the, you know, the, my Ironman days, that is not, that was not my mindset whatsoever. Um, but I think when you do commit first, figure out later, you naturally force yourself to figure some stuff out that you wouldn't otherwise maybe figure out because you're still stuck in that whole perfection by paralysis by perfection mentality. Yeah, and that's very prevalent, especially for these coaches uh, who are embracing. And and, I, and I'm not saying this as a, as a negative that they say, you know, put down the bike and just go strengthen and destroy. They don't say destroy yourself, but that's what winds up happening because they're doing exactly that. Commit first and figure out later. But one of the challenges I think that we have, and, and I'm interest, really interested to hear, especially I, I think you guys um, Artemis, again, uh, if I'm not mistaken, was one of the oh, more yeah, recently yeah. released ones. So yep, I, yeah, I haven't listened that to that earlier this weekend. But like from her previous ones, I, I'm really curious to hear, like, it seems to me like there's a theme in the one thirties in that uh, for your podcast episode numbers that mm-hmm. it's gently and, and building up to breaking a couple, I guess, dogmas, if you will, in the fitness industry that people have just like, yeah, I, I just accept this as, as it is, because that's what people say it is. How have you found the process of, of committing and then figuring out, like, do you find that you kind of get stuck into those dogmas as well? And then as you're figuring out, you're like, Hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. That that's not right. That, that doesn't work. Yeah. You know, I think it's a good question. Cause obviously we, we do pick up on a lot of, you know, pick up a lot of information on a weekly basis and it would be very easy to constantly like a goldfish staring at glitter, just jump from program to program or tactic to tactic or belief from elite, you know, cause there's something new every day. Um, you know, so I think for myself, I, I personally view all of our episodes and our conversations as, uh, just, I'm going to just, I'm genuinely interested in what the person has to say. Uh, it most times not an expert on it and, and don't have, uh, you know, solid understanding. So a lot of my questions come from curiosity and, uh, but, I, but I'm kind of filtering it with knowing that I'm happy with where I'm at in my life and I'm happy with where, what I'm doing. So, you know, if something strikes me or hits me under, cause I've done things where I just chase things and you know, I'm really good at pursuing something and making it happen. <laughs> and it, I, I know I can't do that. So I, I kind of do, I filter things with a bit of a lens of how is this going to serve me personally right now? And right now might be the key word there. Cause it might be something that, uh, 
that I pick up on. Like, for example, when we had Sifu Harinder Singh on our podcast, he had some great stuff talking about uh, flow and stillness. Um, I purchased his mind boxing course online after that. Didn't start it, though, because I was like, yeah, I'm just not ready for this. I'm just not ready. You know, I could tell in my mind, like, I can't commit to this right now. Um, you know, I, I ended up starting it about a month or so afterwards, maybe three weeks afterwards. But so that's, you know, I, I'm good about identifying this is something I'd like to explore more right now. I can't open, I can't, I don't have the bandwidth. I can't accept chasing this more. Right. Um, you know, and, and then, so in that regards, I guess that's kind of how I filter the whole commit first figure out later. Um, whereas sometimes there is a guest who will have something on this, just, there's a hunch. There's something inside of me where I'm like, that is aligning with something inside of me that makes me want to really learn more about that. Let's, let's figure this out. Let's dive into this. Right. So it is kind of, uh, it might sound a bit kind of, you know, hippy dippy kind of out there, but I've always been a very introspective person. I, I've, I've got pretty good self-awareness. So I kind of, I use that filter to understand for myself, you know, how am I going to filter in this information? Um, cause I can't, I can't do everything all at once. Right. That's, the the i forget mike is mike is the good one with the quotes man but you know being being the jack of all trades master of none uh, i'm not interested in that right um so that's that's kind of how i i filter the information that comes through on a you know weekly daily basis and, and apply it to my life so that it actually can do something for me personally you mentioned something there the importance of being happy where you are and i was just trying to think i was looking for a book uh that i, that I just read a similar principle um it's not like be happy with what you have but the importance of being happy where you are i mean that that right there i, I think that surmises or summarizes a, a lot of the challenges i'm i'm hearing and and picking up in some of the groups that I, i'm participating in on facebook for cyclists and triathletes that Every time a new research article comes out, everybody's like, oh, I got to do this instead. Or, and there's a whole other thing there with research and, and the, the problems with that. Um, and where is I going with that? Essentially that a lot of athletes nowadays, maybe it's because the cadence of research and how it's being released or done, or maybe it's being trapped at home for six to nine months because of covid yeah. The program hopping or the inability to just master the simple basics or even just get proficient at them is so prevalent. Have you kind of found that the process of going through your own Ironman training and, and having that experience and then going through the strength training, have you learned that lesson of being happy where you are the hard way? As in like you failed so many times, you're just like, you know, throw the papers up, like, screw this. I'm just going to be happy with what I got and put down on paper. Like maybe I'll explore this in three months, but let's try this for six to 12 weeks. Like we were talking about before we, we hit record, like yeah. you're doing something right now and you're like, yeah, ask me in six to 12 weeks, how it went. Yeah. 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 It's a good question. Um, yeah. I would say it's the latter, man. It was, it's been a hard, uh, you know, hard, hard learned process myself. I, I've always been super motivated, very self-determined, very self-driven. Um, and honestly, man, I could probably tell you up until recently, you know, probably just uh, COVID was when I started to realize like, yeah, none of this crap really matters. Like, what do I really want to focus on? What makes me happy? And of course, I, I you know, I love strength training. And, uh, and at the time when I did the Ironman, that was my obsession. I, I loved it. Um, 
but um yeah, i think there's a i think there's also part of it's like well why are you following the program you're following right is it because you want to get to a certain goal um and if so good then you you do need some guidance and a program to get you there but if you can't answer that question wholeheartedly know genuinely why you're doing something which surprisingly and i'm sure you know too man as a coach like a lot of people have a hard time answering that question it's like well then i really can't tell you if something's good for you or not because if you don't know why you're doing it then you can't really justify some of the sacrifices you may have to make in order to achieve it um you know it's kind of just like okay well then sure i mean you can do it or you don't have to it's up to you (laughs) you know but but if you say no i'm gonna sign up for this ironman i'm gonna do it well okay then that you're going to have to make some sacrifice. So there's some things that are going to have to be done on the other side of that to make that happen. And, uh, you know, whether you want to say it's happiness or whatever. Right. And, and for me, um, there was a lot of happiness involved in that. So, but it was definitely hard, hard learned, uh, and earned, I would say, uh, in terms of listening more to joy, happiness versus, Oh, I should do this or, Oh, I should chase this or, well, I've done this. So next thing would mean to go ahead and do this. Um, you know, it's, it's a lot of life lessons learned from it, which I'm grateful for, for sure. But yeah, it is not how I've uh, operated mentally for most of my life. That reminds me of something I just read or more correctly listened to. Uh, I'm, I'm rereading or listening to uh, James Clear, Atomic Habits uh, mm-hmm. and BJ Fogg's Tiny Habits, both of which are, are similar, but very different. But uh, I just read or listened uh, the other day to part of chapter nine, uh, he talks about the influences in our life. And you're talking about how Corona, you know, you're, you're saying being happy where you are, you just kind of had got to the point where you're like, well, why am I doing this? Uh, and why am I following the program that I'm following? And it, it sounds like Corona for you kind of removed the three main groups as to that, which influenced the most as per uh, James Clear, uh, the close, the many, and the powerful. So Hmm. it just kind of isolated you to the point. And also in Saratoga Springs, I'm guessing with all the snow, you guys get up there, uh, you know, do you, do you feel that that was a large part of it, of of these big main influencers uh, of the close, the many, the powerful were just removed a point where you could just kind of sit with yourself. And then you finally got to the point where you're like, well, what may, what would make me happy in my training? Or was it just a matter of like where you are in life and Corona just happened to be there? No, I do think, uh, undoubtedly, it was it was uh, the removal of certain things, kind of the halt to what was just my daily, weekly routine for owning the gym and coaches and you know different things like that. Um, and very quickly, I mean, I want to say six weeks, eight weeks after the gym was closed because of COVID, you know, we're sitting here trying to figure out what's going to happen. You know, we're still thinking maybe it's going to be closed for a few weeks, whatever. Um, I had the realization of like, man. I think I already have everything I want in life. Like what, what am I grinding for so much? What am I doing this for? Why am I doing that? And, you know, so that was, it was very eye opening. Uh, my wife and I were, were expecting our uh, second child at the time. Uh, she's now one, which is crazy. Uh, and um, you know, yeah, so it was, it, it was a pivotal point for me. And I think it's just because the, the you know, the constant uh, monotonous day-to-day stuff, you just get into the groove of your schedule, whatever it was just, you know, to an abrupt halt. And of course we're on lockdown in our homes and whatever, and kind of forced to look at what is around you, uh, what you have around you and realizing like, Hey, actually, I kind of like my life. This is pretty freaking awesome. (laughs) And the gym's closed and we're not doing this. And, you know, um, so yeah, it it, it was for me a, a pivotal point for sure. 
So how could or, or would you implement if we didn't have Corona and, and you came back from a time machine and you came into this fifth dimension and it didn't have Corona and you went back to March 1st, 2020, yeah. how, how could or, or even would you implement some change in your life to get to those changes without that break in routine? Like, is there something that you look back and you're like, oh, I could have done X or Y if Corona wouldn't have happened and still come to this conclusion, even if it you know took me a little bit longer. That's a really good question. Um, you know, I think it probably would have started with a very simple question of asking myself, why? Why am I doing what I'm doing? And what are you trying to work towards? And why are you trying to work towards that, right? Uh, personally speaking, I, I started a gym because quite frankly, I didn't want to be viewed as a personal trainer anymore. And I didn't like the label, uh, of a personal trainer. Uh, and I didn't, I did, I did not want to be viewed as a personal trainer. To me, there's just such an easy category of people to get lumped into that the amount of money I'd spent and the knowledge I had acquired and, and the people I worked with and my network of you know people and professionals I'd met. I'm like, well, sure, I guess I'm a freaking personal trainer, but come on, man. I mean, it's really, you're comparing apples and oranges. Like they're not the same thing, right? So that's what motivated me to get into the gym entirely uh, in itself. But um, once I was there and I had the gym, you know, why expand? What are you working towards? Why do you want to reach these revenue goals? This, that, and, and, uh, you know, honestly, looking back, not being able to probably give you a wholehearted answer, uh, other than just, I'm a super motivated driven guy that wants to succeed and just go, 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 go. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so yeah, I think that if I, if I could travel back, that was what, uh, that is what I would tell myself, but quite frankly, knowing myself, I would have ignored it. <laughs> Well, that, that's what I'm kind of curious. Uh, let's go down that rabbit hole a little bit. I have another question that, that just popped to mind while you were answering that. Sure. But to me, my, my break from the bike was really a huge blessing in, in disguise. I mean, it was not a pleasant way at all. You know, I'm feeling like someone took a, a welding knife or a welder, a welding flame and a knife and was just digging into my hip. But it really allowed me to take that step back as well and be like, well, why am I riding my bike? And the baseline for me is I just like being outside and exploring shit. <laughs> like, I love it. Like, uh, I think, uh, I don't know, two or three weeks ago, I took my first, um, electric scooter bird. I had, we had to take the car up to the shop and I couldn't get my bike in cause of the, the, uh, uh, the baby's, uh, stroller. And the, so I was like, okay, I got to figure out somehow to get home. That's not like a, a uh, hundred dollar taxi ride. And I got onto this electric scooter and I was like, man, I'm going to hate myself for doing this. Cause I hate, I hate these guys. And I was like, it's not the, it's not the scooter. It's, it's the drivers. Uh, point being is that that reignited like, oh man, I miss exploring stuff and just being out in nature. And that, that passion for training, it wasn't the training. It was more of exploring, like, what are my capabilities? Like I suck at mm. steady states, but I'm really good at VO2 max. And then, well, why is that? For a lot of endurance athletes out there, exactly what you just described, which is the personality type is they like a challenge and it's just go, 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 go. Well, I get to that. It's, it's like, why does Duolingo uh, have those gems and those rewards and the streaks and, and why have they gamified it? It's because it taps into that achievement center. And some people say, well, it's Western society. It's not, it's, it's human nature. Like when there's something to accomplish, yeah. we want to go for it. Uh, ex external motivation. But what you just said at the end there is, you know, you probably wouldn't have been able to, to change your mind. So 
Now we've got these two different Chris's. We've got the fifth dimension Chris oh, yeah. and we've got today Chris. How, how would you say to the listeners who are in those parallel worlds and maybe struggling a little bit, how would you yourself find that happy medium between those two? Like if Corona didn't happen, is there, is it meditation? Is it a training log where you write something different? Like what would that thing be for you? Yeah. You know, I think that probably gets back to what I mentioned with some of the podcast episodes is allowing space and time for integration. So you know, giving yourself the space in your schedule or the time during your day, if it's every day, or again, maybe it's a one day a week, you block out, uh, you know, two or three hours and you're, you're unplugged, whatever, but allowing yourself that deep thinking time to be with yourself and not be plugged in, you know, sure. You know, sitting down and meditating for your daily 10 minutes or whatever you may do, or going for your walk, but I, you know, that's all that's good. But what I mean is really sitting down and some, I mean, sometimes I will just sit and just sit. Like I won't, I won't write. I won't close my eyes and meditate. I won't get on my computer. Just kind of like, just see what kind of comes to the surface. Cause I've always been kind of a bit of a thinker anyway. And uh, so I, I think if I could go back knowing myself then and knowing myself now and knowing that then I did not allow much time and space for integration or, uh, stillness, so to speak, I would have to hope that that would uh, provide me the, the the break from that constant day-to-day grind, go to the next thing to maybe take a step back and be able to look at things objectively. Um, it's hard. It's not easy to do, but that, that would probably be what I would recommend. Yeah. Want to learn more? Check out humanvortextraining.com for more on this topic from Coach Brody and today's guest. You just described probably one of the top two struggles that the um, average endurance athlete has, and that is, you know, especially triathletes. I mean, I, I, I'm very, very strict about who I take as a, a half Ironman and Ironman. And I very rarely, I think last year I had like 10 or 12 applications. I didn't take anybody mm. uh, for the reason that you know, the question is, what would you do if you were given an extra three hours in a week, specifically looking for like, you know, would they train? Would they spend time with like, what, what, what's their order of, of operation? And in the phone interview, which is, you know, tends to be 45 minutes an hour, that almost every single one of them in the last year said, I would like to train more, or I would use my compression boots more. And, and when asked, well, well, what about just time to be by yourself? Like, oh yeah, I get that on the bike or the run. Is there to you, is there a, a big difference between time out on the bike or running or swimming, especially swimming? You can't talk to anybody. Is there a big difference between that where you're doing a task, especially a structured workout, or even let's say an endurance workout where you're just out there versus just, Hey, you know what? I feel like walking or I feel like running and I'm just going to run and, and see, is there a big difference to you as far as the brain power and the effect that it will have on you? So personally speaking, I kind of find that if I have some dots, I'm trying to connect, you know, some, something creative based, uh, something that involves movement is going to be better. So I'll go for a walk or, or I will, or I'll head out to the garage and I'll do a training session. Um, even though I'm not thinking about whatever it is I'm thinking about during my training session, the ha- having moved my body you know, and kind of let my body work its way through thoughts and emotions and whatnot while focusing on 
the training session. A lot, of, a lot of the times when I'm done, sometimes that, you know, kind of, oh, yes, this connected now. So when it's something related to like creativity, uh, problem solving, I, I like to try to do something that is stillness, but movement, stillness and movement, as, uh, you know, Sifu Harinder Singh mentioned on our show. Um, and when it's kind of more like uh, broader, maybe deep ideation or, you know, I, any I'll, a lot of times if it's a social media post or an email or something i, I kind of write it in my head before i actually sit down and start to you know so those types of ideas i can it's better for me to just sit and not move around and just kind of be still so for me it kind of depends the more creative things i find the more i actually move through those thoughts um it, it enhances that the, the the overall product i guess you could say the end result it's interesting that as I went through Europe uh, and the U.S., Central States, and Northeast, one of the things that I, I picked up, uh, I think it was four years ago, I went to a training camp in uh, Eindhoven with a couple of athletes I coach. Uh, so they were racing in, in, in Netherlands. One of the things, and, and I'll connect why that's important in a second, one of the things that was really interesting to me is there are still a lot of well-preserved mansions or large houses uh, even in, in Netherlands, which I was very surprised. Um, but a lot of the culture there is a movement oriented culture. Hmm. And to me, while I was there, I saw these two very different ends of the spectrum. One is a lot of fats in the diet, uh, like a lot of pig product, a lot of dairy high in fats. So I was like figuring like, Oh, they love dairy. So there'll be like Greek yogurt and high protein yogurt. And it's like, not really, it's kind of hard to find that. And hmm. Even though they had that one, uh, they were such a movement and specifically bicycle oriented culture um, that it was fairly rare to see somebody obese to the level that we see in the US. But it's also that it seemed a lot more open as far as creative spaces. So like in the States, I see a lot of creative spaces that are artistic. Right? They have colors, they have uh, different uh, sculptures, things like that. Whereas in Europe, it seems to be much more space oriented. Yeah. I'm wondering, like, is that, is that just a cultural thing where we've gotten to that point now? Or is it something that like, you know, uh, the Carnegie Mansion and the, the, the Mellon Mansion in, in Pittsburgh, there are these huge swaths of land, but a lot of it had walking paths. So these are places that were frequented by Andrew Carnegie and, and Mellon. These are things that are very common, not just that they had large pieces of land that were, you know, that were beautiful, but they walked on them almost every day. Do you think that that's kind of a, a human progressive things? And part of the reason these guys and, and women have had gotten to that level of creativity is because they ingrained movement in their days so much? Yeah, I mean, I think in my experience, um, I would have to agree, to be honest with you. I've always kind of used this, uh, I forget where I heard it from. It's it's not mine. I think some people give me credit for it, but uh, you can't think your way through a feeling problem. And and so to me, I think that whole notion of going for a walk in the woods or whatever it is you're doing, movement in general, um, sometimes can just help your brain and your body connect things and and sort your way through emotions, again, problems, uh, questions you want to find the answers to things like that. So yeah, I would, I would, uh, I would definitely agree with that, especially. And I think there's also something to me personally, uh, there's something for me about like open spaces that inspires creativity. And especially if I'm overlooking a body of water, I don't know why it just, 
it immediately sparks creativity. So, you know, going through a walk in the woods, you know, same thing, you know, if it's, you know, you're unplugged, you don't have your phone on you, stuff like that. But yeah, man, I, I think I would agree with that to, to be honest with you. And that, that kind of came from, you know, allowing space and the integration of deep thinking time. Like, so it sounds like, like, yeah, be an endurance athlete, but maybe plan a day, a morning, an hour and a half where you just say activity and maybe it's not structured training, but whatever you want, maybe it is sitting, you know, walking down to the cafe a mile away and just sitting there, you know, it sounds like that can tie together so many different things. And, and even goes back to what we were talking about before we hit record with how your training is going right now, where it allows you to ebb and flow. Like you feel good that morning. Like maybe you get to the coffee shop. You're like, actually, you know, I have my running shoes on. I feel like running or you get on the bike and you're like, you wear your kid or whatever else, but there's no need to do anything other than what feels right to you. That's yeah. Yeah. such a foreign concept to, to so many people nowadays. My fitness, Chris, no, I need to know exactly how many intervals on this day and what my training stress score needs to be. Yeah, no. And I think it's a good point, you know, especially because uh, I think that the, the, the common uh, thought process there would be, all right, so you want me to add some space for integration. Um, I'm going to go for a walk every day at this time, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, that's one option. Or like you said, when you just look and you just listen to your body of like, okay, do you want to go for a walk or do you want to hop on your bike or do you want to, uh, you know, meditate, uh, whatever the case may be. And I think that's where you can use a lot of just intuitive thinking and, and being in tune with your body, you know, because especially thinking back to when I was doing Ironmans and, and triathlons and whatnot, um, you know, shoot, it would depend on the day of the week. I might, if it's a Saturday, I'm probably not going to want to do much because that was my long bike day followed by a brick run afterwards. And that was most of my Saturday as it got closer to Ironman. Um, you know, if it was like a Tuesday or a Thursday where it was following a swim workout. Yeah, cool. Like I usually felt like I had some more energy. Maybe I'd go do something else a bit more creative. Right. So I think, I think that is an area where, you know, listening to your body a bit more and, and you, without, throwing away your programming you can still bring a lot of intuitive kind of thinking into your overall plan that that helps it even though it's not anything directly training related i mean yet that goes against pretty much everything most endurance athletes believe <laughs> well yeah and again that's why it's like hey still follow your program you know do your do your do your endurance program and whatnot right tap into some of the you know, how am I feeling today? Um, with just what you want to do for yourself today, but, but Chris, but, I don't, I don't have time. I have to, I got this training plan offline, so I've got to follow it or my coach gave it to me. No, I was going to say, you know, in high, it's easier said than done. Cause I remember the mindset I had when I was training, um, you know, for, for Ironman and, and whatnot. And, uh, yeah, no, I would have been the guy to answer your, 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 uh, intake questionnaire, uh, for three hours of training somewhere else or, or three hours of recovery time. Uh, that was all I thought about. That was my life for sure. Uh, there was no need to do any time of meditation or integration. It was just more time for training or more time for recovery. That's it. <laughs> and yet when you're doing strength training, it almost seems like you have to, because if you just keep training more, uh, the body is not going to allow you to continue to see. And I just had this conversation for the second time in, in four weeks with one of my trainees today, he's done 10 days in a row. We try to do the high intensity interval at the end. Uh, and his big thing is building up to a 10 K run uh, for general fitness. Like mm -hmm. there's no big event, 
But I'm like, dude, we just went through this. You came back from vacation, did 14 days in a row of, uh, and you had to take three days off. You had to, cause your body wouldn't let you, like you felt so tired. So today was the first day in like six months that he actually had carbohydrates for breakfast. Not only did he have carbohydrates, but he had a pita with mayonnaise uh, and something else. I can't remember else. And first of all, I was like mayonnaise on a pita, like WTF. Uh, <laughs> but it's one of those things that the time we all, and even in strength training, we think that more is more. And it's just, you know, you look on Instagram with these crazy things. Uh, another conversation I had with one of the up and coming basketball players uh, is like, oh, did you see so-and-so's workout video? And I'm like, yeah. And he pulls a car, right? Yeah. And, then, and it's like, dude, that's ego focused because yeah. when you actually train, that doesn't actually help you. And he's not training that intense all the time. That's like a snippet of like two or three days out of like six months. Exactly. How do we as coaches and as athletes begin to, to build a different mind map to say, yo, dude, number one, allow space and time for integration, for deep thinking. Number two, let's give a little bit of free time. So we're active if we feel like it and, and not active if we don't, but that we can also just take a deep breath and take a step back from Instagram and social be like, okay, let's take a think of this from a, a legitimate point of view and training and, and performance. How can we build that mind map? Do you have any ideas? Um, well, I mean, I, I like to keep things really simple. And, and I do really believe it just comes down to that initial question of why. Um, and, and it might mean asking that four or five times. Why? Okay. Answer, you know, okay. Because I want to lose weight. Why? Uh, well, because I haven't weighed. At, okay. Well, why haven't you? Well, I've developed these habits and whatever. Okay. Well, why is that important to you? Well, because I want to be viewed this way. Oh, why do you want to be viewed that way? Oh, because, you know, so-and-so makes me feel so, you know, and you just kind of, and eventually you get to the real root of it. Okay, cool. So what you're saying then is you really want self-confidence. So, you know, doing, um, you know, an hour a day, whether that gives you self-confidence or not, doesn't matter because really you're looking for self-confidence and we could maybe achieve that with a different program, right? Or a different way of approaching things, right? So I, to me, I think, I, I guess maybe the analogy would be to look at it like from a exercise standpoint, the setup is the most important part, right? Like if I'm going to do a deadlift, uh, if I'm going to do a squat, if I'm going to do a snatch, a swing, a get up, doesn't really matter. Whatever you're doing pull-ups, the setup is the most important part. Cause once you start, you can't redo the setup. And so I think, uh, I, I think that would probably just be it is, is getting, you know, cause, and I'm sure you know this too, man, as a coach, like, We've all had people who we worked with where you don't get clarity at the setup. And then the whole relationship, you're basically trying to go back and get more clarity on that. But you've already kind of, you know, uh, established things are okay if you do this, or I'm not going to care if you do this, or, you know, you've kind of already set those expectations that things can be not what they should be, um, which, you know, clear, concise, effective, obviously moving you closer towards your goal. So, uh, you know, it's not sexy, but I would say it probably just starts as simple as the setup, the the very first meeting, uh, setting expectations and, and getting clarity on what that person wants. Because then I think when you have that from both parties, it's easy to get, it's easy to have an open and honest conversation like, well, hey, man, look, I know this is what you may want to do, but here's the deal. That's really not going to help you get to X based off of what you're telling me with Y, right? Um, but unless you have that clarity, you really, it doesn't enable you have those uh, to have those crucial conversations. 
So what about the endurance athletes out there? Cause, cause half Ironman and Ironman has essentially become the marathon of the 1970s, right? It's that shock and awe. like you ran how many 20, how many 26 miles after doing a bike of 110 after. And yeah. I have a big problem with it uh, in that I am seeing a huge uptick. This is just my own small part of the world, but I'm also hearing from other coaches and nobody wants to say anything, right? Cause, cause part of our livelihood does rely on people still training for these things, but yeah. anybody can sign up for an Ironman, right? And the number of individuals who are in their mid to late thirties and up who are absolutely destroying their bodies for the rest of their lives to just get a tattoo or to finish it or say that they're training for it is immense. And the setup for that event, number one, it's super expensive. Number two, there's no bar for entry. Be on the page, be one of the first people to get your credit card number through there. Oh, there you go. You're going to, you know, That's six it. months away. How do we better work with those individuals as coaches where we look at this, we're like, all right, so you've been completely inactive up until two years ago. You've been walking and using a Peloton bike for the last two years. Haven't really done more than an hour's worth of training three or four days a week. And you just signed up for an Ironman nine months from now. Like, how do we get that set up? Is it simply asking the right questions to the person or is it kind of doing what you're doing for each of these interviews you're doing for the Breakthrough Secrets podcast in that just coming into it with an open mind instead of being like, well, crap, this is going to be a piece of work that we really have a lot to, that we need to lift. I mean, I, I think uh, I think as a coach, you can you, you have the luxury of knowing what the person should be doing anyway, right? Like it, it's easy for you to think of, okay, if this is a blank slate person, they've got zero restrictions, no injuries, whatever, this is the program they're going to do for this distance or whatever, right? Um, so now you can kind of start there and work backwards, in my opinion. Um, and, uh, you know, okay, so we look at that conversation and be like, all right, well, hey, this is where you're at. This is what we're working with. Um, I'd probably start with the mentality of, and trying to get through that you don't need to do as much as you think you do. Um, you haven't been doing X, Y, and Z. This is your first time doing this. We know talk about the potential for injury and, and just try to get them to understand, like, let's just start here and see how you feel. And I would basically trickle things out um, at a very minimalistic approach. Cause I think in having done some triathlons and, and had a couple of years of Ironman experience and now being on the other side of things, I, I do still, I would have to imagine you'd be able to tell me if, you know, better than I could, uh, Menachem, but I would have to imagine there's still a bit of similarities in the sense that consistency is king. And if I'm snatching a 24K, a 28K, a 32K, a 40K, it doesn't really matter. Um, whatever I use to help me snatch consistently three days a week for a whole year is what I want to do, right? And it might be a mixture of all four. It might be one more so than the other, whatever. But the goal is the minor ingredient there is consistently for a year is what's going to get me to my goals, right? So, um, you know, I think, I don't know, to steal Dan John's work, maybe the, you come up with the easy strength of triathlon training, right? Uh, you know, you kind of, you kind of scale it down to what is the minimum effective dose I can give this person so that, cause they're already going to probably accrue, accrue some, uh, you know, aches and pains just cause they're going from couch to 5k type thing. Only it's couch to iron man, you know, um, and, and, you know, start there and, and, Maybe you never get to that perfect quote unquote program that you know they should be on, but it works for them, you know? And I, I think, yeah. It's such a, a hard question. That was really, really good answer. 
because it's so <laughs> complex. Give right? me some good ones, man. Yeah, I'm just I'm just flowing. As you can hear, I'm kind of talking through the questions. I'm writing down bullet points as you're going, and that's uh, we have the video on uh, as we're recording. So you're looking at me and like, what the heck is he doing over there? I'm just like bullet points, and I'm like, oh, that, that would be a good question. But you know, let's kind of wrap things up here with uh, the setup is the most important part, and that's going to be the title of the podcast as well. So let's kind of cement a couple. Uh, take-homes for the listeners. In your last year, or you know what, that's not limited. In your experience as having gone through Ironman training and now being consistent uh, in the strength training, if you were to to talk to the listeners, so endurance athletes uh, of all different backgrounds, it's now September. uh, They're getting ready to set up their year for the upcoming, uh, you know, whether it's competition or events or whatever, next summer is coming they have their base period ahead of them. What would be the two or three parts of the setup that you would pay the most attention to? And are there any specific things that you've learned uh, that may prove to be really fruitful? Another good one, man. Um, you know, well, okay. So considering the time of the year, knowing that you, as you said, getting into more of a base program without question, it's time to take a hard look at your body. You know, where are you banged up? What kind of aches and pains do you have? Do you have any? Um, you know, where is, you know, do you have any mobility limitations? Chances are there are definitely people listening that know they probably should be addressing some mobility concerns, but it's not a big enough mobility concern that it's going to, you know, force them to take some time out. The problem though, is if it's, if it doesn't get addressed, then it will eventually. Right. So I would probably first look at where can I kind of, you know, button up the hatches, so to speak whether that's mobility, but it's also going to involve strength, you know, without question. It's, it's that both of those strength and mobility, um, you know, as a, as a former triathlete and now, you know, strength enthusiast and strength coach and obviously kettlebell enthusiast. Uh, I mean, man, if I could go back and tell myself, uh, you know, during this off season, it would probably be to do just a few things, do an arm bar every day, do some prying goblet squats and, you know, do some get-ups. And if you want to get crazy, go ahead and start to do some kettlebell swings as well. So I'm looking at four things. Um, and you don't even need to do it in a workout, right? I, I'm a big fan of, of kind of just doing things just to do them. All right. So maybe I do an arm bar in the morning with my prying goblet squats. That takes me a total of, I don't know, five minutes, right? That kicks my day off. You know, maybe I do some get-ups throughout the day. So again, doesn't really feel like a workout. And then maybe I just wrap up my day with a set or two of, I don't know, 15 to 20 kettlebell swings. I mean, if you do that every, you don't, you could do it every day. It's not going to fatigue you to do that. Um, you know, three days a week, even with weights that are not. And I think the key thing is, you know, using weights that don't require much thought, require your focus and attention, but not a weight that's like, all right, I gotta, I gotta get pumped up for this. No. So by nature, then you're using loads that you should be okay and manage man, I, I would have to imagine if I could go back and do that myself, that my, I would have had so much more time and, and avoided a lot of um, aches and pains on my body. So to me, this time is all about uh, making it, shaping the path so that you can be consistent in your training when it actually comes time to start training. Uh, that, I'm a big fan of that word, shaping the path, or the, the, that phrase. Um, and now's the time to do that. You shape the path to your success in taking the time to really button up the hatches, double down on some things that maybe perhaps are your weaknesses so that then you can be consistent in your training and you don't have to worry about taking time off. 
Absolutely love it, man. And uh, what we'll do is we'll, uh, I'll, we'll, we'll talk after, but if you can, uh, we'll get some arm bar, uh, prime goblet squad and, and get ups uh, samples from your uh, Instagram page or your Facebook, and we'll put them into the show notes here. Um, sure. Can, can you tell the folks where they can find you, where they can find the breakthrough secrets podcast and how they can connect with you? Yeah. Um, I mean, I've got, personally, I have a lot of stuff in the works right now. Um, so I don't, I don't have a personal website up right now. It's in the works, but, uh, so, you know, you just find me on Instagram, coach, Chris, Ab- uh, coach, Chris Abbott, all one, you know, all one word. Um, send me a DM. If you have any questions, I'm pretty good about answering those. I'm on Facebook as well. Uh, Chris Abbott and, uh, the, the podcast is, uh, as you mentioned, the breakthrough secrets podcast. Uh, you can listen to it anywhere. I think, uh, anywhere podcasts are hosted, um, and, uh, you know, Mike and I, as, as you mentioned, we put out episodes every week, uh, f- five at least usually. Um, and yeah, I would say those are the best ways to, uh, to consume content and, uh, reach out if you have any questions. Awesome. And you guys also have, uh, the free mindset playbook, which you've just started, uh, putting out there if I'm not mistaken. Yes, that's right. Uh, so we do have the mindset playbook for the podcast, um, you can grab a copy of that on the podcast uh, Instagram page, uh, as well as currently my page as well. Uh, and the podcast page is Breakthrough Secrets Podcast on Instagram. Uh, I am currently working on a hard style snatch playbook. It's actually done. I just need to finish formatting it. And then that will be what uh, visitors can get on my page. Uh, that's kind of my passion project and what I'm working on personally. Uh, it's my it's my new Iron Man, maybe if you want to call it so. Uh, you know, people can look to that if they are kettlebell enthusiasts and want to learn more about snatch. That's awesome, man. Well, uh, this was fantastic. I think I got six or seven pages of notes here, uh, from our conversation as always, uh, complete pleasure to have you, man. We'll definitely have you back and, and continue. And thank you for taking time out of your day to hang out, man. Oh, dude, it's my pleasure, man. It's always a joy you know, connecting with you and, uh, I look forward to coming back on. That's it for this episode of the Strong Savvy Cyclist and Triathlete Podcast with world-leading strength coach for cyclists and triathletes, Menachem Brody. Don't miss an episode. Hit that subscribe button and give us a review. For more exclusive content, visit humanvortextraining.com or get the latest expert videos from Coach Brody on the HVT YouTube channel at HB Training. Until next time, Remember to train smarter, not harder, because it is all about you.